Good morning, good morning. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to take them and turn with me to Exodus chapter 15 as we continue on in our series. Exodus, what I call exit to promise and purpose. What a great, great text that we have before us this morning that aligns with Palm Sunday, a day that we celebrate Jesus as he was arriving in Jerusalem and people were right waving palm branches and shouting praise, shouting Hosanna. That's the entire text of Exodus chapter 15 that we see this morning. We know this is totally, totally different. In all honesty, I'm used to walking up to the pulpit after a time of corporate worship where we are gathered together and we we read scripture together and we pray together and we sing loud so that this entire building just rattles and shakes but it's it's quiet here today we're we're not going to do i can't do anything to impress you with smoke and lights can i be honest this stinks this is not what the church is supposed to be the church is supposed to be gathered to together but but For some reason, in God's providence, we have been called into a season like none of us have ever lived before. And although this is terrible, may we be reminded of the fact that we look forward to the time when we will gather again. And we will sing loud and we will celebrate and worship together. I think of that old hymn, Eliza Hewitt, back in the 1800s. She wrote this, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all get together, when we all get to church, what a day of rejoicing that will be. And we look forward to that time. But until then, this is the setting that God has called us to. You are in your living rooms, but we have the word before us. The Holy Spirit is present. We need to first and foremost pray. I need prayer for help as we look into God's word and Lord willing, learn together. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, I want to thank you. We praise you for who you are. In a very, very unique time, in a very unique setting that none of us would really choose. You've called us. And we just pray, Lord, that we would be faithful to you. We pray that we would be obedient to you. We pray, Lord, that as those that have been called out for purpose, that followers of Jesus would lead the way, encouraging those in our community, loving their neighbors and praying for the many, many people that are in need. I think, Lord, just in this past week, how much hurt and how much heartache. I pray, Lord, that that you would minister comfort, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, that we would sense your presence and your power and your closeness more than ever before, that you are preparing us to be truth-tellers, to speak truth in love to those who need it. Father, I just pray for help, that you would guide my words this morning, that they would be your words, 
that you would be heard, that you would be the focus, that you would be glorified. We ask this now in the amazing and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Is this, is this really, is this like kind of crazy time or what? Last night, yesterday afternoon, actually, I was watching a basketball game that was between the Lakers and the Celtics. It was the NBA Finals that actually was played 10 years ago. It was the NBA Finals from 2000, from, 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 from 2010. And you think about that, that's just like totally weird. We're actually watching, there's nothing to watch, there's no sports. So, so we actually have professional athletes that are playing video games and we're watching them on television. And there's commercials that are going on. I was struck by one particular commercial, I appreciated it. It was the often outspoken Deion Sanders. Uh, NFL, former NFL football player, a Hall of Famer. And he said this, and I quote, I was so encouraged by this. He said, we're going to be okay, baby. We're going to get through this together, baby. We're going to be okay. I appreciate that. But what's interesting is that we hear that from a lot of people, but no one's really telling us how are we going to be okay. This morning in a world that is totally, to everything is uncertain, more than ever before we need to focus on that which is certain. In a world that is totally unknown, we need to focus on that which is known. In a world that is changing, we need to focus more than any other time on one that does not change. To summarize all of the above, today more than any other time, more than any other time in, in our history, we need to focus on the one, the one. True, sovereign, loving God, who in the midst of a global pandemic does not change. People are struggling right now. You may be struggling right now with stress and fear, anxiety like you have never faced before. The Victorian poet Gerard Manley Hopkins struggled with anxiety and depression and he wrote a well-known poem called Carry On Comfort. And he spoke very, very explicitly about his bruised bones and darksome devouring eyes. He writes that he was lying in a heap, enduring storm after storm, in a year of darkness. And his summary statement was this. God is our best consolation. God is our best consolation. Going throughout the book of Exodus, we have learned that there have been somewhat deep and dark and difficult days. But God was faithful and brought them through it, just like God is going to bring us through this most difficult time. Today, this morning, we will see firsthand that as God miraculously brought the Israelites through the Red Sea, that they gave praise to God. Our text, Exodus chapter 15, is referred to as the first song in the entire Bible. Every single believer should sing to the Lord, not because you have a good voice, 
but because we sing because of what God has done for us. I read this week that praise is the natural response for those who have experienced God's grace. Follow along. Exodus chapter 15. I'll pick it up in verse 1. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song and has become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea. And his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The floods stood up in a heap. The deeps congealed in the hearts of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You've guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples have heard they tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now were the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them because of the greatness of your arm. They are still as a stone. Till your people, O Lord, pass by. To the people pass by whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain. The place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode. The sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. Amen. It's called the Song of Moses. It's a long text, I know, 18 verses long, making very specific references to the Lord's provision and protection of salvation of Israel over the Egyptians. We know that there's 11 direct references to what? To the Lord, Yahweh. 
there's 16 indirect references. You stretched out your hand. You have led. You have guided. There are so many things in this text that we can learn from. But this morning I want to focus just on four. Four of them. This is important. And it's important today probably more than any other day. Get a pencil. Find a pen somewhere. Write these down. Remember these. Number one. The Lord is glorious in power. The Lord is glorious in power. Verse 6 says this, what? Your right hand, O Lord, your right hand is glorious in power. It's still kind of hard to kind of imagine this scene. Let's try this morning to put ourselves in the sandals of the nation Israel. They're standing in long Lines, crowds, crowds of people. Yes, I know what you're thinking. Are they practicing social distancing? Are they six feet apart? Are they wearing masks? The answer is no, they're not. Okay? They are, they are, they are tight. They're, they're tired. I have no doubt they're, they're coughing and they're sneezing on one another. Yet, I'm, I'm quite certain as well that even in the midst of this, what, this tight crowd, long lines, there's still a sense of glorious and wondrous relief. You see, they are experiencing freedom for the very first time. Remember, the entire generation had been born into slavery. And now, talk about the excitement. They're watching a, a pillar of clouds. And they're following. They're watching what a pillar of fire at night. And they're following. They're, they're, they're on their first trip that they've ever been on. These people have never gone anywhere before. Talk about excitements. And yet as well, there's, there's got to be a level of, of tension. You know the whole kind of like whisper down the line? Like they hear whispers, like, did, did you hear like the, the Egyptians? Like, I think the enemy. I think, I think they're going to come and get us. I, we could end up going back to slavery. In the midst of this excitement, in the midst of this tension, life kind of for this group still kind of goes on. There's still kids that are playing. There's still babies that are crying. There's still little sheep and, and goats doing Whatever sheep and goats do, you know, there, there has to be, with any big crowd, there always has to be one loud guy. Kind of like Big Mouth in the back. And he's, and he's yelling, hey, what's going on up there? It's kind of like the, you know, the, the guy with the horn in the back when the, the light turns green. And, and somebody beeps though. It's like that guy. Like, come on, speed it up. And you kind of hear where somebody says, no, 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 quiet, quiet. I see something's happening up there. I see Moses. He's, he's raising his arm. He's got a staff in his hand. And everyone, everyone crowds. Everyone notices that the winds are beginning to kind of pick up and the waves in front of them are moving and the waters 
are parting and the ground is drying up. And they hear, we're moving. Hey, we're moving. Let's go. Let's go. And as they walk down into the seabed, you, you got to hear somebody just kind of say, this is so cool. Walking. Some 11-year-old boy, he's got to touch it, right? Because that's what they do. I remember years ago when our kids were about that age, we were visiting Independence Hall in, in Philadelphia. And we're reading something, my wife and I, and we hear one of the, the, the people in charge, yeah, how, whose kids are that? And of course, our kids, right around that age, they, they cross the forbidden red velvet rope. And, and, and our son Seth was sitting at the desk where the Declaration of Independence was signed. Hey, hey, Dad, this feather's actually a pen! It's kind of like that. Somebody's just got to touch it. Mama's like, no, don't touch the wall. No, no, I got to. Then upon crossing, upon crossing the sea, standing on the other side, watching God save them in a display that we see here as glorious, glorious power. It must have thrilled. It must have warmed and excited their hearts it's never before. They get a glimpse. In theological terms, it's, it's called omnipotence or omnipotence, omni, all, potent, power. That's an attribute of God. Now, it's one thing to have all power. Now, now ratchet it up. Like multiply it by a million times. And you have glorious power. It means illustrious, marvelous, magnificent. That's, that's hard for us to, to understand, let alone try to explain. Think about this. How much power do you have? How much control do you have? Some of you are like, well, as a matter of fact, I'm the head of my class right now. Hate to burst your bubble, but there is no class right now. Some of you would say, no, no, I have power. I'm, I'm the captain of my team. I, I, there actually, there is no team right now. Some of you would say, no, I'm, I'm the boss at work. And when I say things, people listen. Hey, hey, there's no one at work right now. Some of you would say, yeah, well, I'm the head of my home. Well, you, even as the head of your home, you need to discipline your children. Why? Because a four-year-old, a four-year-old doesn't even listen to you all the time. How much power really do you have? We have all watched this week on more than one occasion. What? Matter of fact, every single day, the leader of the free world the president of the United States of America, arguably the most powerful office in the world, standing alongside of some of the greatest minds, physicians and scientists, and they have charts and they have graphs and models and predictions. And yet the only thing that all of them can say when it comes down to the bottom line 
And we've heard it repeatedly. We just do not know. We just don't know for certain. You see, most wise people realize how much little power, how much, how, how much little control they actually have over anything. This week, while Zooming, we're getting used to that term, Zooming with my grandson, three-and-a-half-year-old Denson, he was saying this, Go away, COVID. COVID, go away. Now, we hear that. And as a child, we kind of think that's, that's cute, but it's really pretty silly. But in reality, that's about how much power you and I have. That's about how much power all of mankind has. Enter. Who is this one that even the winds and the waves obey him? Mark chapter 4, verse 4. In the midst of absolute uncertainty, nothing is known. We have no idea what tomorrow is going to hold. Enter what? Who, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span? Enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales. Isaiah chapter 40. Enter the one who what? Commanded the morning and caused the dawn to know its place. Enter the one who, what does it say in Job chapter 38, who sends forth lightnings that they may go and say, here we are. Today, today, just like in Moses' day, may we stop, just stop, recognize and realize our own lack of control, lack of power, and may we recognize and celebrate, may we submit to, and may we praise the glorious, glorious power of our great, loving, and merciful Heavenly Father. There's more. The word, the Lord is glorious in power. Number two, the Lord is majestic in holiness. Verse 11, look at this. Who is like you, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness? Moses is, is writing, and Moses at this moment is the man of the hour. He's, he is, he's the proverbial rock star. He's the songwriter. And in his praise, he asks a rhetorical question. A rhetorical question is a question with an answer that is so obvious, it doesn't even need a response. Matter of fact, he asked the question twice, who is like you? Who is like you? The answer is no one. Who's as holy as you are? The answer is no one. Holiness is referred to as the chief attribute of God. And people don't realize what, that our Bible is referred to as the Holy Bible. The term holy or holiness is mentioned more than 900 times. 
The primary Old Testament word for holiness means literally to cut or to separate or to set apart. Fundamentally speaking, holiness is the cutting off of or the separation from that which is unholy, that which is unclean. And it's to be a consecration to that which is pure. Holiness is something that you and I are called to. God himself says, what you, you be holy. God says, as I am holy. The attribute of holiness is not limited just to God the Father. But, but actually the attribute of holiness is seen in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about this for a moment. We are unholy. Well, you don't have to fool anybody. Like there's gunk and junk in our hearts. In the midst of our unholiness, we are unholy in thought and word and deed. Christ, Jesus Christ, not forsaking his own holiness. He still is a lamb without blemish, without spot, came, left the glories of heaven to dwell among us. That's what's referred to as the incarnation of Christ. We celebrate that at Christmas time. Matthew chapter 1. She called his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. We know that John chapter 1 says what? That the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Philippians 2 talks about the fact that Jesus, what? Emptied himself. He took upon himself the form of a servant, that he humbled himself. And we see the holiness of Jesus Christ on display. As he came to earth, he lived and he taught us. He showed us what it's like to live a holy life in an unholy, in a broken, messed up world. What I find amazing is that in John chapter 16, that before Jesus, what? Is crucified before Jesus ascends to be back with his father, his heavenly father, seated at the right hands. He's meeting with his disciples, his followers in the upper room. And he says, it's to my advantage that I go away because, because if I don't go away, the helper will not come. The helper is the Holy Spirit who is what? Been given to us who trust in the full finished work of Jesus. That the Holy Spirit helps us, our helper, the Holy Spirit helps us in our holiness. Pan back here again. Think, think about the holiness of God that is being sung about and celebrated on this beach. On the Red Sea 3,000 years ago. That same holiness was manifested, was made known, made real to us in the life and through the person of Jesus. And now what? You and I. It's possible for us to live in full obedience to the Holy Bible. It's possible for us to be indwelled by the Holy Spirit so we would also live holy. This God is holy. Now it's hard, it's tough. First Thessalonians 5.19, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Don't extinguish, don't silence, don't ignore the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit prompts you, you probably shouldn't say that. Don't say it. Probably shouldn't think that. Don't think it. Holy Spirit empowers us 
as our helper towards holiness. Holiness is that important, and we see that on display in this magnificent song of praise. The Lord is glorious in power. The Lord is majestic in holiness. Third, the Lord is awesome in deeds. In the latter part of verse 11, who is like you, O Lord, who is like you? Awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders. This word here, awesome, is, is really unique. And I think we need to treat it as a unique word. Awesome in the Old Testament is defined, defined to, to be awestruck or, or to inspire awe. A lot of times we misuse the word awesome today. Like, that was an awesome piece of pizza. No, that's, that's not the idea here. Let me, let me show you the difference. Go, go down to the shore later. Not right now, you're not allowed. Go, go down to Ocean City, New Jersey on the boardwalk, and there's Mac and Mango's Pizza a family favorite of ours. It is, it is really, really good pizza. I would say it's great pizza, but it's not awesome pizza. It's dough. It's good dough. It's good sauce. It's good cheese, but it's not awesome. Instead, what I want you to do when you're at Mac and Mangoes is turn right on the boardwalk. Turn right and look out there. And you will, you will what? You will see the waves as they crash. And, and you will feel the breeze and you'll smell the salt air. That, that, that is awesome. Why? Because it is a deed, it is a work of God and God alone. God what? Spoke the ocean. He spoke a word. He spoke the oceans all over into existence. That's a miracle. Some translations actually use the word that God is fearful at doing wonders or fearful at performing miracles. We serve a miraculous God. Today, more than ever, we need to be reminded of that. There, there, there's, what, there's no limits. Last, last week, we learned that God is limitless. So much, so much of the Bible, we see what? The awesome deeds. Miraculous works. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Out of nothing, God spoke, and everything comes into existence. To the plagues that we've learned about, that's God's miracles. Like, like one group of people was suffering under boils and locusts and darkness, and another group was protected. That's a miracle from Jesus. Turning water into wine, to walking on the water, to healing the blind, to calming the storm. I hear this all the time. I hear this all the time. That's really, that's... Yeah, that's the Bible. You can't believe the Bible. The Bible's ancient folklore. The Bible's what myths and fairy tales and legends. Well, no, I actually, I can believe the Bible. 
because I have eyes. It's really quite simple. It says in the word of God, what? That the heavens declare the glories of God. I have eyes to look up at night and to see the magnificent, magnificent display. I, I have eyes to see as you do to see what? The sun rise and set with such beauty that a creator, God, paints the sky for us to enjoy. I, I see we can look at the majestic hills and mountains. We see the tides as they come and they go. We can see what an eagle soar. We can see a hand move. We can, we can see the lightning flash. That's not a miracle, it's just science. We can prove, we can prove that. It's just like electricity in the air. No, 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 no. Colossians chapter 1 verse 17. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. He's the one who says to the lightning, come. And the lightning says, here I am. That's, that's what the Lord who is awesome in I have seen with my own eyes and I have heard with my own ears God miraculously save people from hell. I've seen people saved from death. I was 17 years old driving a Valare station wagon with wood panel sides. And, and, and my car stalled on a blind curve and I was hit, I was T-boned by a, a, a dump truck going 70 miles an hour, it was estimated by the skid marks. I was still, the dump truck was hauling a bulldozer on the back. That's a lot of weight, that's a lot of steel. Who hits and I'm standing still. And I walked away with not a scratch. There was not one scratch. Every single one of you know a story. Or you are a story. You are a story. It goes like this. I, I, I should not really be here. I should be dead. But God. brings us to our fourth point. We praise God about the Lord is steadfast in love. Verse 13, it says, you have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by, by your strength to your holy abode. This, this is just cool. Everyone, remember the scene, everyone is singing, everyone is praising and shouting and celebrating. And what Moses writes and what the people sing is this, you Lord, you lead in love. You lead in love. To, to lead means what? What does it mean to lead? It means that you're in the front. 
It means that you're the best at. It means that you are winning at love. You're, you're what? You're, you are so good at love that it is what? The standard that everyone else is to live in accordance to. As a matter of fact, it says in the word of God in John chapter 15, what? That we are to love others as you have loved us. God is the standard. He leads. He's the best at it. It's a steadfast love. It's an un, unwavering, unmoving it's a stable, it's a solid love. When everything else is just blowing and we have no idea what's going on, there's a steadfast love. Not only is God's love steadfast, but it is also a saving love. John chapter 15 and verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Realize that is exactly, that is exactly what Jesus Christ has done for you. Jesus laid down his life for you. He rescued you. He redeemed you. That takes us right back to verse 13. That you led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed, who you have rescued. As we close... I want you to listen to this. Listen to the words that Paul writes to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 2. It is so perfectly descriptive of you and I in the situation that we find ourselves in today. Listen to this in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. We carry out the desires of our body and of our mind. That is so accurate by way of a description of how people live today. Do whatever you want to do. Nobody tells me what I can cannot do. We live according to the passions of our own flesh. Scripture continues on with this. But God, being rich in mercy... Because of the great love which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. I love how Paul concludes, walk in them. Do them. Today, today, people, it is no shock, it's no surprise to hear that we need hope. Today, we, we need some good news. We, we need to hear and be reminded what? When everything is moving around us, there is one that does not move. And that is God. He is what? He is glorious in power. He is majestic in holiness. He is awesome in deeds and steadfast in love. I want you to do something today. I want you to ponder this. I want you to think on that. 
Everything moves around us. Everything shifts. There's one who is solid. Before you go to bed tonight, before you fall asleep, I want you to get on your knees. I want you to accept the fact that you are a sinner, just as I am. Accept the fact that nobody has to teach us to rebel. Our hearts are rebellious. And on your knees, before you go to sleep at night, I want you to confess your sins before the Lord. He he knows your heart. He made you. It says that he formed you. He knit you together before you were even born. He knew you. But we're to confess Before you go to bed tonight, on your knees, I want you to believe. I want you to believe what the people in Israel, standing on the banks, believed in. Believe that the Lord Jesus Christ, what left the glories of heaven and came to earth, so that when we put our faith in what Jesus Christ has accomplished on the cross and in the tomb, that we can be brought into a right relationship with our holy, heavenly Father. Before you fall asleep tonight, I want you to do that. I want you to know that there is great hope. There's even joy in putting our trust in the Lord who is unlike any other. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, we are so grateful for your word that speaks, for your spirit that is present. Thank you, Lord, for this time. It is unique for us. It's hard for us. And yet, Lord, you've called us. Father, I would ask that you would allow your spirit to continue to speak to hearts, even now, throughout the rest of this day, throughout the rest of this week, that we would know what it means to accept God's love for us, accept the work that Jesus Christ has done for us, so that Lord, there's nothing to be fearful of. Not not when we are held in your hands. Not when we're wrapped in your strong arms. There's nothing to be afraid of. I pray, Lord, that the word from you this morning would not be foreign or distant, but it would become our own to live by, to obey, to be encouraged by. We ask this now in the amazing and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. I want to thank you so much for joining us this morning. Um, let, me, let me just remind you, um, as Pastor Stewart said earlier, even hearing this message, if there's a question that you have, yeah, I, I don't fully get it. Like, I don't fully understand. You, you have an email, and you can, e- just from the comfort of your own living room, you can email us together at bigwoods.org together at bigwoods.org any question let us know if there's something that we can help you with something you're struggling with so that we can share you share with you and show you the love Jesus Christ that's our prayer may the Lord bless you may you be wise and safe and we look forward to when we worship again next Sunday at 9 o'clock Lord bless.